You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, another Locked On Podcast Network crossover episode. Locked On 49ers, Locked On Seahawks. Brian Peacock here with Nick Lee at BD Peacock at Nick Lee 51. Appreciate everybody out there making Locked On 49ers and Locked On Seahawks your first listens every day right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We appreciate the everydayers out there. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. This crossover Thursday episode is brought to you, as always, by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, go to pricepicks.com slash NFL and use code, all lowercase, NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. It's good to be chatting with you here, Nick, about 49ers Seahawks Part 2. It was actually Corbin and Croc, the co-hosts that did the last crossover uh, on Thanksgiving. So now it's uh, now it's our turn to talk about the 49ers and the Seahawks since we haven't yet. And I'm excited about this one. And I'll toss it over to you first, Nick, because uh, as we do start these crossovers, it's always about the biggest stories uh, and the biggest, you know, aspects of these games coming into it. So for the Seattle Seahawks, Nick, what's what's going on in Seattle? What is the big story for the six and six Seahawks here as we hit week 14? Well, that one of the bigger stories is that they're six and six after a five and two start. I'd say they're that there's a feeling in the fan base that the season's hanging by a thread a little bit. Um, you know, don't tell Pete Carroll that though. <laughs> he's he seems pretty confident still, but he was um, going a little harder last week. I, I think he's yeah. feeling it. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, how can you not? And even you know, they went from five and two with a little Starbucks cup of coffee, cup of coffee in first place there for, for a sec, now losing four or five. All while the Packers and Rams have won three straight, you know, the Bucks and Saints are lurking in the back of the NFC uh, wild card. So, I mean, certainly this kind of feels there's I don't think it's a hint or a pinch of desperation anymore. I think it's two full blown cups of desperation for the Seahawks, at least in the fan base. You know, um, of course, the, the the team won't say, oh, yeah, we're desperate. But um, right. it, it's it's definitely there, there's this a high level of angst going into this game. Yeah, there, there was a time earlier this season that it wasn't very long ago that it was like, okay, well, this, the 49ers and the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs. It just depends on which one wins the division, which one's the, you know, five, six seed, whatever it is. And now it's like, okay, six and six Packers that are starting to play their best ball of the season. The Rams are hanging on at six and six. I don't know if they're going to keep doing it, but uh, it's not a shoe in that the, with a, the 49ers winning a big one with the Philadelphia Eagles last week. Like, it's not a, it's not a guarantee that the Seahawks are going to be making the playoffs now. And look, I, look, I don't want to say where your headspace is, Nick, but I, I was creeping around on your on your Twitter account, and I saw you doing mock drafts. And so that's usually when you start doing mock drafts in September, that's like, oh, man, uh, this is the time of season we start looking ahead to 2024. You're not quite that far down the road, are you? Uh, by the way, a, a quarterback I saw was your pick for the for the Seahawks in the first round in that mock. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a mock draft nerd anyway, so I've been, I've been trying to, even as the Seahawks win games, do a weekly mock, just kind of, what I saw, what are some needs that that I might, and yes, um, especially after that Pac-12 title game, um, I, I was, I pretty much said, hey, whoever the winner of that game is, why not the Seahawks just draft that guy? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Seahawks fans that wouldn't mind the, a certain UW quarterback. Uh, oh, down in, absolutely in, not. In um, yeah, so it, it's it's certainly uh, as the losses have piled up. Yeah, I think I saw that six teams are separated by one to two games in the two wild card spots. 
So it's getting crowded, and the Seahawks have not done any favors. And then they play the Eagles next week, so it doesn't get any easier from here. No, it doesn't. Uh, and the tiebreaker is conference. So the tiebreaker within the division is division record, but for wild card, it's conference record. What what is the the Seahawks conference record right now? Do you, you know, know, I don't have that in front of me, but it, it's I know it's worse than the uh, the. Well, they they def- obviously don't have the tiebreaker tiebreaker over the Rams because that's an O two, <laughs> that's an O two hole there for the Rams. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, oh, I believe yeah, and Ed is first, so that's yeah. rough. And they and right now the Packers have a better conference record. Too. Seahawks are five and four in the conference. I just had to quickly look. Okay. Um, I mean, respectable, but the Packers are four and three. Rams are four and four. So technically, Seahawks have a better um, one than the Rams, but obviously the head to head trumps that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, with Ooh. some tiebreakers without the you know you know, Sands Rams, the Seahawks are in a decent spot, but if that, if the Rams stand in the way that can get complicated. So uh, this is huge. And the, the Seahawks are going to be underdogs against the 49ers. They're huge underdogs this week, 10 and a half points. I'm looking at right now. Maybe yeah. we'll make some projections or some, yeah, uh, some predictions a little bit later. Uh, and then the Eagles. So the, the Seahawks suddenly have a, a ton of work cut out for them uh, when it comes to, to making the playoffs this year. So very interesting scenario for the 49ers it's, it's kind of flipped and that's been the bigger story for for the Niners this week was just how big of a game that was last week and we you know preseason we circled this three game stretch it's prime time it's Thanksgiving against the Seahawks and then you get Seahawks in th- twice in three weeks and then you get the matchup the NFC championship game rematch with a team that is likely going to be right there again in the playoffs in the Philadelphia Eagles. And it turns out they did have the best record in the NFL when the 49ers faced them in a three game stretch. So that was huge. And the 49ers were up for that game last week. So you have to wonder if potentially there's, there's a chance for a little bit of a hangover this week against the Seahawks. So that's something I think the 49ers are going to have to fight because it's a grueling season. It's a long season. We're into December and they got so up for that game last week. Uh, is, is there a potential for a hangover here in week 14? So, so that's a big one, I think, to monitor for the 49ers. You know, there's trap games, and and usually when it's pretty obvious, you can find ways to to overcome those types of games. So, you know, being that it's a division opponent, um, I'm sure they're they've talked about it in the building, but you know, you, sometimes that that mentality and that body and that body clock sort of is just like, yeah, dude, I don't know if I can get that amped twice in a row. Uh, for a team we just played two weeks ago. Yeah, my dad's actually from Philly, so we were talking a lot about that game. He, he was not super happy about that, but I'm like, you know, in a way that was the kind of the 49ers, you know, mini Super Bowl going on to the Super Bowl a little bit. You know, I don't want to like totally, uh, you know, shortchange them there. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, that was huge. That was that's something that they've been looking forward to since January. That, that, oh, that, how did you not? that wasn't like, oh, we're all of a sudden ant for it this week. They've been looking at that game all year long. Yeah, and that's why I told my dad, like, Dad, they had this circled for a long time. And, you know, this game is very interesting. You bring up a great point about, you know, the hangover. There's the hangover factor on the San Francisco side, the desperation factor on Seattle side, and the familiarity division. That is that is a very interesting mixture for this game. So um, there, there's a lot of variables that could turn this into an unexpected result. Absolutely. I mean, seeing how the 49ers have played, too, you, you can't fault the odds makers for putting this way out there at 10 and a half points because the 49ers have just been blowing people out uh and they've been a really scary football team and and by most you know we might be biased over here at locked on 49ers but most analysts that cover the nfl look at the 49ers right now as the team that you don't want to face and uh and that's what the seahawks are going to face this week so it's a big task for the seattle seahawks in week 14 
at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, more on this game, the key matchups that will decide it, and how will the Seahawks and or 49ers go ahead and win this game in week 14? That is coming up. Nick Lee, Brian Peacock here, Locked On 49ers, Locked On Seahawks. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers and Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn just isn't another job board. It, LinkedIn has a vast network. We're talking about a billion professionals that uh, that are on LinkedIn that makes it the best place to eventually interview and hire your candidate. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours at LinkedIn Jobs. And a special offer for our listeners as usual. Um, and they even just launched a, uh, a new feature at LinkedIn Jobs that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, looking at some of the key matchups here, 49ers, Seahawks in week 14. Uh, I want to go to one of my favorite matchups that, that we were talking about before the week 12 Thanksgiving game, and that's DK Metcalf and Charvarius Ward. And to my eye, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, I thought DK Metcalf was a little bit less honorary in that game than he usually is. Usually he's good for at least one kind of push near fight uh, against the 49ers and against a lot of other teams because he plays with a little bit of an edge. And then... In week 13, you see him against the Cowboys, and he's just red hot, and he's on fire, and uh, has he's the fastest player, fastest ball carrier in the league on that touchdown. And it's just like, okay, that's the DK Metcalf. Did the 49ers make him angry? Did does he was he hooking up because of the the 49ers game? Uh, it's still a huge matchup for me, and I love that the 49ers have allowed Travarius Ward to travel with DK Metcalf in recent seasons, and, and they're starting to do it more. He he moved around with A.J. Brown as well last week, DK's former college teammate. So that's a huge matchup for me. What have you seen from D.K. Metcalf this year? And sort of, you know, kind of talking about that um, that uh, that quarterback mock draft you had there. What about Geno Smith? What kind of season is Geno Smith having the passing game? D.K. Metcalf, talk to me there because it's always going to be uh, important to, to stop those guys and not allow those quick strikes. Yeah, you bring up DK Metcalf first, and um, you know he he would scorched earth on Deron Bland last week. Um, you know, I think it was over 100 yards and a couple touchdowns on him. And then uh, you know, Tavarius Ward did very well against DK Metcalf in that pre in that Thanksgiving matchup. With DK Metcalf, he's you know he's he's maddening at times because he has the top 10 receiver ability, top 10 receiver, you know, physique or top one physique, really <laughs> top two. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the talent is, is always there. Um, and he's, he's like a good person too. So, I mean, it, it, and then you get some of the boneheaded stuff as well. I think, I think the reason why perhaps he wasn't as ornery to use your word um, in that Niners game is some of his orneriness, I think came to a head earlier in the year um, to where it had to be like publicly addressed by Pete Carroll. Um, and I think that kind of got put to bed a little bit and maybe between the Niners game and the Cowboys game, there was a, Hey, like, Hey, let's, you know, let's loosen the leash a little bit and get, yeah. get you back to where you were. And so, yeah, uh, you know, that, that's going to be a, a huge matchup, you know, Jerry Ward, I think was, was the, 
the winner in that matchup at first and then Thanksgiving matchup. But, um, and then going to Gino, um, I think it's safe to say that he's come down a little bit from his, his, you know, burst onto the scene last year. And, you know, the numbers aren't quite there. Now he's still a top 15, you know, perfectly average quarterback or to above average quarterback in most categories. Um, but he's not elevating his game quite as much. And, you know, some of that is the Shane Waldron uh, factor. There's some honoriness going on there with, with the fan base and Shane Waldron. There's offensive line playing, you know, musical chairs. There's a lot of factors that just, you know, it's not all on Geno. Um, he's made some turnover worthy plays, but he's still a very solid, you know, league average to above average quarterback. But um, a lot of factors are at play, offensive line health. And yeah, um, DK Metcalf having a bit of an up and down season. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like whoever the Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator is, is just under the gun. No matter who the quarterback is, it's been going on like 10 years. We've been hearing that. <laughs> That's true. Well, um, Corbin and I were just talking about this last week where, um, you know, Brian Schottenheimer had a really good run with Russell Wilson here before. Now he's in Dallas. Um, you welcome Dallas. <laughs> that's going, that's going pretty well. Okay. Um, and then, uh, Shane Waldron had, a, you know, that last year with Russ, the f- last year with Gino, um, the Russ's last year, then last year with Gino, um, pretty. And then I, we're feeling like it's almost like a third year wall in, in Seattle. Like the, there's an, there's an offensive coordinator, third year wall that, that they seem to hit. I'm not quite sure, you know, if that's just circumstantial, but yeah, it's, you know, for, before it was lit rust, the whole lit rust cook thing, that was a disaster. And now it's, you know, is it Gino? Is it the coordinator? Cause there's still a ton of skeptics out there about Gino Smith. Uh, offensive line is usually an issue in, in Seattle. It's, it's a lot better. Gino Smith has a better offensive line than Russell Wilson pretty much ever had. Um, so there's the bit of that hanging over him as well. So yeah, the offensive coordinator thing is, um, we've decided in, in Seattle, you have a three-year shelf life <laughs> pretty much in Seattle. One thing I don't like about the Seahawks right now is, you know, the is the we just talked about the passing game, but the running game, because everything starts there, right? And um, with a good young offensive line uh, and now running back injuries, and I think we're going to need an update on, on what those running back injuries are, especially for my fantasy team, because I need Ken Walker back out on the field for me if I'm going to do anything in, in my playoffs. Uh, we're talking about the Seahawks playoffs, but let's be honest, my fantasy team is a little bit more important right now. So we need Kenny Walker back on the field, but um, you know, it starts there. So if the Seahawks can't come out and run the ball, at least a little bit on the 49ers become one dimensional. And then you can kind of see how things can go kind of South quickly when you're playing the 49ers as good as they are on both sides of the ball. So talk to me about the run game and the health of those running backs. Well, there was a little sneak peek of that on Thanksgiving. Not sneak peek. It was a full-blown display of what can go wrong for the Seahawks. Full frontal. Um, yeah, full frontal. Yeah, explicit content. Uh, Ken Walker III uh, sat out of practice today. I would be surprised if he played. Um, if he does, maybe a pitch count. Um, and Zach Charbonnet also sat out of practice today, but it was um, a bit more. I think we're a bit more optimistic on Charbonnet playing because, boy, if, if both Ken Walker and Charbonnet can't go, it is DEFCON 1. With that offense, you got uh, DJ Dallas, Kenny McIntosh, who's played all of eight snaps, all on special teams. They just uh, signed Sir Roderick Thompson out of Texas Tech uh, to the practice squad. So we're we're dipping into the practice squad signings. I mean, so if Charbonnet can't go, um, that is that is a devastating blow. Um, so Ken Walker, I think there's still a chance he can play. Um, I would definitely keep an eye if you're a fantasy Ken Walker, you know, relier. I, I would definitely keep your thumb on that uh, pretty much until kickoff, but I, I would lean towards he's probably not. I mean, I, 
I liked Kenny McIntosh coming out too. Is is he potentially like a sneaky fantasy play or a, a sneaky factor in this game if he's if he's called upon? I, you know, he, he was a, a big time back in college, and clearly the Seahawks liked him enough to double dip in the running back pool and and draft him. Uh, what was it, sixth, seventh round after they'd already mm-hmm. taken Charbonnet? Yeah, I mean, they drafted him in, I think, the seventh round and, you know, to tears because he was so frustrated at how low he was drafted and got a chip on his shoulder. He is your prototypical third down back, great hands, pro style offense in college. Um, Injuries have just really derailed the start of his career. Um, Didn't really have a preseason, really missed. He just now got back on the field last week. So um, it's, I think if Charbonnet ends up not playing along with Ken Walker and they're dealing with, you know, DJ Dallas and Kenny McIntosh as your top two running backs on the depth chart, then yes, I think that there will be maybe not, you know, 15 carries for 80 yards kind of thing, but he'll probably make some catches out of the backfield, maybe sneak out, you know, a 20 yard reception, maybe get in the end zone in the red zone there. But um, yeah, I would, I I would stay away unless um, there's a Zach Charbonnet and Ken Walker are both out. I think he's still a ways away from contributing a lot on offense. Yeah, Nick, I, I was hoping you were going to give me more nuggets for my fantasy squad, dude. I got to be honest with you. I, I'm hurting right now <laughs> with, the, with the running. Oh, game. Sorry. Uh, unfortunately for the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey is a cyborg and he's always out there. Uh, I want to talk about the offensive side of the ball in the 49ers versus that Seattle Seahawks defense as well. And there's some key matchups, obviously, there. Uh, one more note here on Seahawks offense versus. 49ers defense. The 49ers defense is is a really good unit. Um, They are going to be missing a pretty key piece here, and he might not get all the headlines all the time, but Eric Armstead is looking like he's going to be out this week, maybe even another week uh, with an injury. It's a a mild knee injury, it looks like. It's not a a ligament, so it's not a long-term injury, so that's good news for the 49ers, but unlikely to play. So some, some Javon Kinlaw, who had a nice game last week, but he's such an inconsistent player. And he's such a tall guy that he can sometimes just get get stood up and kind of turned out of the way. And and he'll make some big impact plays and he'll make some, you know, some highlight, some low light plays as well, where he gets driven out of the play and turned a little bit too easily. So that's an interesting one. And then uh, second year guy, Kalia Davis, who's hardly been active for the 49ers in his two year career. He came into the league injured, uh, got his first sack of his career inside. So. Interesting rotation inside for the 49ers. If there's a week that if there's a week that maybe you could sneak in and get some some things done on the interior against the 49ers defense, potentially this could be the week for uh for the Seattle Seahawks to take advantage of that. Um and, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, and, and weirdly, this is I think the healthiest the Seahawks have been along the offensive line with Abe Lucas coming back, you know, uh, Anthony Bradford, Evan Brown, Damian Lewis, and Charles Cross. They've gotten very little time to play together as a fivesome. So I think this is the this is now should be the second week in a row we get Abe Lucas and maybe a bit more under with sea legs under him. Next, let's talk 49ers offense, Seahawks defense, and how could this go? Let's paint the pictures of a 49ers win, a Seahawks win coming up next. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers and Locked On Seahawks is brought to you by one of our newest sponsors. I'm excited about this one. I already got a Skylight Digital Frame. Uh, Actually, it's I I got my headphones on, so I can't reach out and grab it, but it's right over here, and it is going to the grandparents. It's such a great gift for this holiday season. The Skylight Digital Picture Frame, uh, it's the perfect gift if you're stressing out about, I mean, I don't know what to get this person. I don't know what to get this family member because... 
it's so easy to get everyone on your list the skylight digital picture frame because especially if you are away and my family doesn't live anywhere near me so you get the get it all set up for the grandparents they don't have to be technologically advanced you can utilize the app to send photos to it update new photos all the time for the grandparents um you can uh, actually you you don't even have to download an app if you don't want to. There's a unique email that you can effortlessly send photos to, and it'll upload right to your picture frame, whether it's in your house or somebody else's home. So easy to use. Takes less than a minute to set it up. You swipe through photos with the touch screen, and um, looks beautiful in your home. Tons of different colors of frames with the skylight digital picture frame, and there's a satisfaction guarantee. Skylight, super confident that you will love your Skylight picture frame. They're offering a free 120-day return. So as a special offer for our listeners, limited offer, get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash locked on. To get $15 off your purchase of a Skylight frame, just go to skylightframe.com slash locked on. Skylight digital picture frames is the perfect gift for this holiday season. Oh yeah. All right. So how do the Seattle Seahawks, Nick, defend the San Francisco 49ers? It didn't go great a couple of weeks ago, but you, you know, you're a familiar foe and Pete Carroll's a darn good football coach. Um, the, don't do what the Philadelphia Eagles did by the way. Uh, but I think the I, I do think one thing the Seahawks are better at is tackling with their linebackers, with their safeties. So that's good news. Maybe, maybe, maybe not three touchdowns from Debo in this game. Well, I don't know if we have, uh, I don't know if we have any issues with our head of security either. So I, don't right. know. Okay. <laughs> I had to bring well, that up. And Al Shanahan jokingly said, Hey, look out. Cause we got something up our sleeves. If, if you can lose <laughs> a civilian and get it, one of the players off the other team, uh, that's a hell of a swap. So oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What, what a, what a show that was. Um, my, one of my, I think one of my words of advice was um, don't put Jordan Brooks on Debo Samuel. I think is a good, a good, uh, or, or sorry, I shouldn't say Jordan Brooks because he's probably not going to play. Don't put linebackers on Debo Samuel. They, he toasted Jordan Brooks for 46 yards, uh, a couple first downs in that first matchup, but he's not playing. Um, I, it's going to be the Devin Bush and Bobby Wagner show. Devin mm. Bush can move. He's pretty quick. He's um, fast, but he's had his own issues. And I think that's yeah. why the Steelers kind of wanted him out yeah. of town. Yeah, for all his speed, he's not really a great coverage guy. And not a, oh. He's not the most, you know, he's not a technician. Yes. Say. Um, but he's got all, he's got all the physical tools you could want in a linebacker just yet. Not quite the technician yet. Um, so yeah, it, that'll be concerning for the Seahawks. Cause if, if he gets undisciplined, you know, Kyle Shanahan's about as good as it gets as far as taking advantage of that. So, um, you know, Debo Samuel obviously is one of the better, you know, just playmakers in the league. Then if you stop him by some grace of God, you got Christian McCaffrey, you got George Kittle. I mean, we, we talk all the time, you know, when we're, pre-gaming this with with you know just locked on seahawks like okay great this is like fingers in the in the dam you know whack-a-mole okay great you stop christian McCaffrey. congratulations there goes george kittle <laughs> it's uh it's it's quite a it's quite a uh headache but I, I would say linebackers in coverage is a huge concern and really jamal adams has not had a great season and he's also playing banged up if he does play in this game especially if he doesn't play in this game um, he's, he's another, you know, doubtful or questionable. Um, that's, that's, uh, a couple Jordan Brooks, Jamal Adams, that are, that are some, you know, stalwarts in the defense that you really need. 
Yeah, and Jamal Adams had really interesting, um, disappointing is is another word. Seahawks career, and he was so much more athletic and just a versatile piece when he was with the Jets and like leadership. And now it seems like he's not like like leadership doesn't seem like it's there anymore. And it's hard to be a leader, I guess, if you're not on the field with all the injuries, has that sapped some of his athleticism can he even move around like he needs to and, and be a factor running past so what's going on with him. Great question. Um, he's definitely had an interesting week as well. Um, I don't know if you've been following some of the drama. Uh, yeah, um, some unfortunate things. Like, that's what I'm talking about, like leadership. He seemed like a yeah. stand-up guy that you would be like a really clean, draftable prospect where you're like, oh, yeah. he's going to come to work. He's going to be a leader. Guys are going to feed off him. And if, it seems like and it's, he wouldn't be the first guy where it starts to fall apart off on the field and that translates to off the field. Unfortunately, yeah, it's some of that could be the injury kind of sapping it. Um, he's become a pretty undisciplined a tackler this year. Uh, I tweeted out earlier today that among 68 safeties who have played at least 50% of their defensive team snaps, Jamal Adams ranks 37th in overall defensive grade pro football focus, 46th in run defense, 43rd in coverage grade, and second highest missed tackle rate. So not a great season for a guy who you're paying big bucks for. Um, you know, he's definitely drawn the ire of Seahawks fans on the field and now uh, in the locker room and off the field. So in the last couple of weeks, it's not been a great stretch for Jamal Adams. So if if he comes out and balls out and, you know, has a huge game here, I think if we're ranking which Seahawk needs the best game on Sunday, Jamal Adams might be number one. At least still got Bobby Wagner and Quandre Diggs, though. Yeah, I mean, two Oxal. veteran, you know, mature veteran, steady leaders there. Um, Bobby Wagner has has shown some cracks in coverage. Um, some of that could be schematic. Um, Clint Hurts have a tough stretch as well. But yeah, um, this defense is not devoid of talent. Let's not let's be real. De- Devin Witherspoon, we've barely brought him up. I think he's still, even though he had a rough, a rough bout with CD Lamb, um, I still think he's up there with Jalen Carter for defensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, Reek Wollins had an up and down rookie year, but he's still got all ability in the world. Trey Brown's having a solid year. So this defense is not devoid of talent on the, on the defensive line. So it's just a matter of getting, you know, right now they're kind of less than the sum of their parts. Um, you know, that's coaching schematics, injuries, what have you, but it's not quite gelled. There was, uh, there was, there was talk that Tariq Woolen was benched. Was it was it a benching? Was it was it an injury? Because then he had showed up on the injury report. What, what how, how did that go? It was. I'm. I don't want to speak. I think it was a benching. Okay. I, I think it was a brief benching. He did play um, uh, in, against Dallas, but um, I, I think it was a brief benching. Maybe like a message sense. Mm-hmm. He wasn't all the way healthy in that game as well. And then when you pile on top of his poor tackling. Okay. Okay. He's maybe he's protecting himself, trying to tackle that kind of thing. And where technique has just gone out the window, trying to keep himself from getting even more injured. So um, I think it was a, maybe more of a message sent than a, like legit, like you suck, sit down. It was more of like, Hey, you're not playing well. And you know, whether that be X, Y, or Z sit down, let's, let's figure this out. Um, but he's certainly not had the, you know, borderline rookie of the year he had last year. He's shown flashes. He's got all the ability in the world. Um, I think he'll be fine. I, I think, you know, he's very, very young, very raw still. Um, so yeah, a little bit of a sophomore slump, but we've seen that before. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the good players for sure have to show up and play good, right? And then you need to get some other performances for the Seattle Seahawks against this 49ers defense that have the league's leading rusher and Christian McCaffrey. We know he can, what he can do 
running the ball out of the backfield as a receiver. And Brock Purdy's just um, you know on fire right now with uh, you know leading the league in in QBR quarterback rating uh, under pressure. He's he's making throws down the field that are that are spot on in dimes. And of course, you know the short catch and run stuff is the the Shanahan staples are um are firing as well as good as they could be for the san francisco 49ers so it's going to be important all hands on deck for those seattle seahawks to keep this one within 10 and a half points let alone go to go to uh levi stadium and knock off the san francisco 49ers um so obviously i'm going to pick the 49ers in this one and, and i think it's a pretty good line i think it could potentially be a, a a double digit win for the 49ers with the way they're playing but of course division opponent seattle seahawks a pete carroll coach team uh, you can never bank on that. So I'll finish it up here, Nick, asking you this question. Can you paint the picture? What does it look like for Seattle Seahawks victory Sunday? Well, first of all, most of Seahawks land was pretty convinced they were going to get absolutely waxed by the Cowboys. And they didn't. They fought. In fact, they should have won. And it was very frustrating. So if the Seahawks win, so fast forward to Seahawks win. Here's what the kind of the box score looks like. Um, the Seahawks are undefeated when they rush for at least 100 yards. So they're five and zero. Uh, I, I would probably bump that to like one twenty five against the 49ers to be safe. Um, I think San Francisco has only allowed a hundred rushing yards three times this year. Pretty solid there. Uh, 49ers are zero and two when they have multiple giveaways. The Seahawks, I think, really need to be plus two minimum in the turnover margin. Huge. And uh, I think another good key would be to not allow six sacks of Geno Smith. <laughs> that would probably be a go. Maybe cut that in half. Maybe three or less would be great. Uh, can't let Nick Bosa and Chase Young just, you know, shark smell blood in the water, that kind of thing. That's that's game over if that, if you know, four, five, six sacks happen right. again. Especially if you get down and you're not running the ball well, you become one-dimensional and then oh, yeah. the, the Packers can just come after you. Nightmare fuel there. So um, that is how the Seahawks, I think they, they keep the running game going. And that's going to be really tough with some of the injuries they've had. Um, but it, it's, you know, they've lost four straight to the Niners with an average margin of 16 points. So I think that, you know, the 10 and a half line is pretty fair. And I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle to cover that, especially on the road. And like we were talking about with the, the desperation versus hangover uh, matchup, you know, which is which I think is fascinating. Um, I, I think that just the, the, C, the Seahawks might have found a few things offensively against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are no joke on defense either. Um, but I, I don't know if it's enough to keep up with the Niners when they're on. They're on when the 49ers are on all cylinders and healthy. They are the big bad. They are they are Thanos. They are Darth Vader. They are the big bad of the NFL right now. So at their home field, that would be really tough if they're they're banging on all cylinders. So, yeah, uh, keep the ball out of Brock Purdy and company's hands with the run game multiple turnovers that's really your only shot and you know as the 49ers always do they're going to get the seahawks best sunday and it's a really important one for the seahawks to uh stay in that playoff race and for the 49ers they're still fighting for that one seed might have to win out to get it as well so it's, it's really important on both sides nick pleasure chatting with you had a lot of fun here thanks to all the listeners out there making us your first listen make sure you're subscribed up on youtube and everywhere you get your podcast to locked on 49ers and locked on seahawks and how about subscribe to the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 feed on YouTube as well. First ever, first ever national sports streaming channel on YouTube. Check it out, Locked On Sports. And, of course, we'll be back with Locked On 49ers, Locked On Seahawks tomorrow. Catch you then.